Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But the promised land that we're going to be looking at as we get into the book of Joshua is not the place that I would call heaven. Because in heaven there aren't giants. In heaven there aren't temptations. In heaven I don't have the propensity to sin. But yet, as they go into the promised land, there's going to be all of those things. There's going to be giants yet to be slain. Lands to be um, overtaken. And galore, there's going to be temptations and problems and issues. Can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep it from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues his introduction to the book of Joshua. Biblically, the land over the Jordan, which was known as the Promised Land, doesn't speak of heaven. Canaan was a picture of rest and victory that can be enjoyed by every believer. It also shows that the deliverance of Israel from Egypt was only in preparation for the enjoyment of Canaan. In our Christian life, we are brought out of sin so that we might be brought into abundant life through Jesus Christ. The wilderness is never God's permanent destination for any of us. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. They'll argue to death that it's not really the Word of God or that it's just some kind of made-up story. That's, that's hogwash. The Bible is God's Word. He put his stamp of approval on every single one of those books. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament, most of the books in the Old Testament. And Jesus certainly was seen by eyewitnesses. And they wrote their accounts, and we have them in the Gospels. And we have Paul. So there are many eyewitnesses to the Bible. And Joshua, we we see that even in Joshua chapter 5, in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 6, we see pronouns used where Joshua would include himself. Let me just give you one example, and we'll move on here. The second, it says on Joshua 5, verse 1, it says, So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over. Now, little pronouns like that are very important because it's speaking of somebody who was there, Right? Think, read the Bible carefully and look for stuff like that because that will encourage you. And these are little clues that this is not just some story that was handed down and somehow lost through transmission. No, none of that nonsense. The Bible is one of the most easily authenticated pieces of, uh, of, of I don't even want to say literature, but literary works on the planet. More so than any other book. Someday I'd love to go back and do the uh, inspiration and the... Um, evidence of of the scriptures. It was a thing I remember I did many years ago, and 
maybe I should do it again because it's really encouraging to, to see just how, what great length God has gone to preserve and to make his word very obvious and very clear in spite of the opposition. So let's, um, and also uh, there, there's references like in Joshua chapter 6, verse 25. Let me just read this to you. It says, And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day. Does that sound like somebody who wasn't there? The person who was writing this, does it sound like they were there? And that Rahab was alive when he was writing this? You better believe it, because he was. And so, and also, uh, it speaks of the Jebusites before Jerusalem became inhabited by David and the, and the Jews, it was inhabited by the Jebusites, one of those seven nations that God was going to drive out. And what does it say in Joshua 15, verse 63? It says, And as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Does that sound like, again, like somebody has, this is something passed down through the ages? Does it sound like an eyewitness account? Of course it does. You can read the Bible like that. Read it critically. Read it very carefully because these kinds of things, people try to bamboozle us all the time. Oh, it doesn't really say that. Well, there it does. Sorry. Now, I bring that all up because it is a book under attack, which places this writing of this book around 1406 B.C., somewhere between 1406 until 1385 B.C., because the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt around 1448 B.C., and they were 40 years in the desert. And the book of Joshua starts right where that dovetails off, okay? And so it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Some of the key verses in this book, one of them is actually given in the New Testament. And I love what Paul said to the Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You might just want to write this down. We're going to look at verses 1 and 11 really quickly because it is pertinent to what we're going to be talking about. But verse 11 is the key, and here it is. Paul speaking to them, to the the Corinthians, he says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed him. Followed them, and that rock was Christ. There it is. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things, notice, were, have, were become our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Do you remember what event that was? Exodus 32, when they, made the, when they made the golden calf, remember? And so um, Paul here is rehearsing for them in a very shortened version, the history, if you will. And why? Here it is. He says, Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in and the same day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. But here is the verse. <laughs> now, all these things happen. Why? Just because God likes to hurt people? No. 
All these things happened to them as examples, as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And that's one of the reasons why we have the Old Testament. That's one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit doesn't candy coat anything. He tells it like it is. It could be really embarrassing. It can be really difficult to handle. But he puts it in there. Why? Because we're no different than anybody else. That's why. He doesn't take David's life and somehow take out a scrubber brush and scrub it all up and and sanitize the history. No, he tells it like it is. He says that David went up on the house when he should have been out in battle and he saw Bathsheba. He lusted after her. And because of his influence and because of his power and probably because he was a handsome guy, and plus he played the guitar, I mean, those two elements (laughs) together, handsome guitar player, red hair, long red hair. I mean, he's probably irresistible, right? But the, but the Lord tells us. He doesn't sanitize it. He says this is what he did. He called her over, had intimacy with her, and then tried to cover up her pregnancy by getting her husband, who was being faithful, out in the battle, brings him home, and you know the story, tries to get him drunk to go in to have relations with his wife and cover up his own sin. But her husband has better integrity. Finally, David has to have him killed on the front lines. But the Lord doesn't sanitize the word of God for us. And why is that? Because there's some men, there's some women who have committed similar things in their life. Maybe not murder and adultery, but maybe you've committed adultery. Maybe you're here tonight and nobody knows that you've had this affair with someone. And isn't it nice to know that there's someone in the Bible you can relate to? Maybe you've secretly murdered somebody. Hopefully not. Don't know too many people like that, but we murder people in our hearts. Didn't Jesus say that? He says, you've heard it said, you know, a man murders somebody, he's committed, you know, the sin of murder. But I say to you, if you hate your brother without a cause, you've murdered him in your heart. Right? So we commit murder all the time. But these things are examples that we could be encouraged so that we are not swallowed up in discouragement and condemnation. You look at all the things in the Bible. They're there for us for that reason to admonish us, to let us rela- help us to relate to somebody. And praise God, most of us in this room have neither done none of those things. And yet David is in heaven. Can I hear a hallelujah? Yes, he's in heaven. After all that? After all that he did? Are you kidding me? See, people stumble at that because they don't understand the forgiveness and the grace of God. And yet David now is in glory right now. And you know what? The Lord's going to resurrect him, and he is going to be governor in Jerusalem in the millennial kingdom. Ezekiel tells us that. In the millennial kingdom, he's going to be reigning again, certainly under the authority of Jesus, who will be sitting on the throne, but he's going to be a lesser king. He's going to, be in contr- he's going to allow David another shot at it, but this time in a new body, and he's not going to fail this time. Think of that grace. Think of that love. Think of that hope that you and I have. If somebody could be that, do those kinds of things, is anybody too far from God? Is there anything that you've done that's just too wild that you you would say God can't forgive? The answer is there is nothing. There is nothing. Another key verse is in the very last chapter. And this is one that we know very well. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord, Joshua tells the people. Serve God in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, 
But notice what he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And that's a decision we have to make because we live in a land of idols. They may not have, they may not be in the form of statues any longer. We may not have, some people do. There are some churches who still bow to idols. A figurine, a figurine of Mary, a figurine of Jesus, a figurine of St. Francis, whoever it is, there are people who still bow to these things, and it's wrong. But Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you know, when we look at the idea of them coming into the promised land, that's another misnomer. A lot of the old hymns would include the idea of us going into the promised land. But I don't know about you, but promised land for the Christian is heaven, right? But the promised land that we're going to be looking at as we get into the book of Joshua is not the place that I would call heaven. Because in heaven there aren't giants. In heaven there aren't temptations. In heaven I don't have the propensity to sin. But yet, as they go into the promised land... There's going to be all of those things. There's going to be giants yet to be slain, lands to be um, overtaken. And galore, there's going to be temptations and problems and issues. But I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of heaven I want to go to. So the promised land is really the walk of a mature believer in the world because we're faced with all those things, aren't we? We're faced with temptations. We're faced with troubles on every side. These kinds of things we are troubled with, but the day is coming when we will be taken to glory. And guess what, folks? You're going to have a new body. The Bible says that. You're going to be transformed. Read 1 Corinthians 15. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, he tells us these things. The rapture, we're going to be changed. We're going to be in heaven forever. Forever. It'll never end. And there's a lot more to that story, but we don't have time to go into it. So let's actually read the first chapter of Joshua. And that's all we're going to do tonight. We've had an introduction. Now let's get right into it. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and from this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, on the east side, and all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun. And which sea is that that he's referring to? The sun rises in the east, it sets in the west, so... What sea is that sea? The Mediterranean Sea, right? The sun always starts in the east, rises, sets in the west. And so he's talking about the Mediterranean Sea there. From the going down of the sun, it shall be your territory. So he defines the territory that he is going to give them. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That's comforting. It really is. He says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. And we already looked at those scriptures, didn't we? The land that God had sworn to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, down even through Moses and and beyond. 
But verse 7, only be strong and courageous. How often has he said that so far? He said it twice. You're going to hear it a third time. That you may observe to do according to all that the Lord, all, that the, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Notice, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This is the book of the law. Or this book of the law, excuse me, shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Here's the third time. Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. And your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. Whenever you see the word this side of the Jordan, it means on the east side of the Jordan, toward Jordan, literally. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them, then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the servants, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Where does the sun rise? It rises in the east. So we're talking about the east side of the Jordan. So they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him, he shall be put to death. And here's their exhortation to Joshua. Only be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. I want you to just take your pencil and under verse, under verse 9, draw a little line. Because from verses 1 through 9, it's really the Lord, Jehovah, Jehovah God, speaking directly to Joshua, encouraging him and telling him the task that he's about to do. And also, look through verses 10 through 15. Right under verse 15, draw another line, because this is... Um, uh, verses 10 through 15 is Joshua now speaking to the officers of the people and to Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And then finally, the last three verses of this chapter 1, it's the people's, the people's obedience and exhortation to, to Joshua. So let's get right in it. Let's go back to verse 1 here. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Notice, servant of the Lord. What a wonderful title. Can you imagine God giving you that title? And this is God speaking. (laughs) After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And you know, if you back up one page to the last part of Deuteronomy, this particular passage 
in chapter 34 of Deuteronomy is really a great link between Deuteronomy and Joshua because of this. Let me just read it to you. Because notice, it says, The death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. And if you look at chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, beginning in verse 1, it says that Moses... So this is, this is the link to get us from Deuteronomy to Joshua. This is the link. This is what brings it all into cohesiveness, if you will. It says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And Jericho is on what side of the Jordan River? Is it on the west or the east side? It's on the west side, right? And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants, and I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. And here's the verse that links us to Joshua. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in a valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died, and his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. And so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, and for Moses had laid his hands on him. And so the children of Israel heeded him, as did the Lord had commanded, or um, and ended as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so we see this wonderful transition from this man. And I don't know about you, but I, I, transitions are, they can be smooth, they can, go, they can be difficult. And, you know, even in our own fellowship just last year, it's been a little over a year now, you know, Pastor Jeff moving onward and, and me coming into that place. And, you know, it really was a, a good thing. It, was a, it, was, it went smoothly. There wasn't some tragedy that happened that forced us upon. The Lord spoke, and the Lord did these things, and he worked everything out, and all of you were praying. It was a beautiful thing. And the same thing here with Joshua and Moses. There's a passing of the mantle. So God tells him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And I love the idea that there's a phrase that I love. It's in a song. It says, you can kill the workmen, but the work goes on. Moses may die, but guess what? God is not finished. God has a plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. He sets down one and he raises up another. And God does that. And that's God's business. And and the reasons that he does that is, is a mystery, really. Even in our own country, one president goes down, another one rises up. And we don't always understand the bigger picture. But God, all the while in the background, is working behind the scenes. And he's allowing man to make their own decisions. He's not a puppet master. He doesn't make anybody do anything. But God has an unfair advantage of knowing all things. He knows all things. But notice, the land belongs to the Lord. The land that God was going to give them, it belongs to him. Remember in Psalm 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. That means that the Lord, he, he owns the world. He created it. He spoke it into existence. He has the right, doesn't he, as, as creator to say that's mine. And there's this little sliver of land about the size of Rhode Island. 
<laughs> about the same square footage, square miles as, as Rhode Island. And God says, I'm just going to give this little piece that nobody cares about. I'm going to give this to the, the, to the Jews. And I'm going to set my throne in there. I'm going to set my, put my name there. He didn't choose Russia. He didn't choose America. He didn't choose Antarctica. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.